My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. Good morning. Please pull your Bibles out. Put them on your laps. I would love to see you all reading from them as we walk through the text this morning. Do you remember the anticipation of a, as a kid waiting for a holiday or a birthday or maybe a vacation or an important trip? I, I feel like every time there was something on the horizon, it like consumed my mind. Every day I would laboriously walk through each day and then mentally finally I'd get to bed and I would finally cross off the day. Okay, 13 more days left until the trip. And of course you didn't sleep very well and you're, what are we going to do? How, how, are we gonna, how awesome is this trip going to be? A lot of your time, my time was spent mentally preoccupied with this trip. Is this, am I the only one that dealt with this? Okay. You're trying to do homework, but all you can think about is the trip. What am I going to do? Should we swim on Tuesday or should we go on a bike ride? Maybe we should go on a bike ride and swim on Tuesday and Wednesday. Should I bring an extra pair of shoes? Is there, should I bring my jacket? Is it going to rain? I know there's going to be a lot of good food there. Is it possible to eat too much ice cream? I need to plan accordingly. And all of my time was directed towards this particular place, this particular event, this particular trip. And maybe, maybe you've done this as an adult as well, waiting for some particular day off or a three-day weekend or a vacation or a trip away or long-awaited babysitting or something like that. The longing infiltrates your mind and affects your actions and your planning and all of your life. This morning... We're reading Psalm 84. We've already heard Psalm 84. And the psalmist, if it's not obvious right now, the psalmist wants to be in one place, the home of the Lord. Because he knows abundant blessing is found in the home of the Lord. He wants to be nowhere else. And the posture of the psalmist is a knowing posture, as though he pitches himself toward the home of the Lord. This is not an unfounded hope that things might be good at the home of the Lord. There is a certainty, an expectation. There is a clear understanding that blessing is found over there. And throughout this passage, we will hear and see that blessing is wide-ranging. There is happiness, there is joy, there is strength, there is refreshment, there is protection. All of these are found in proximity to God. Let's jump in. Psalm 84. Let me read the first section again. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my God and my King, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. The psalmist writes, how lovely. This is the language of love. This is the language of poetry. This is the language of strong affection. When the psalmist sings this song, the place comes to mind and the memory of the place is beautiful. And the place that receives the poetic language is the dwelling place of the Lord, the house of the Lord, the home of the Lord. 
for a quick excursus, in the times of the sons of Korah, the ones who wrote this psalm, the dwelling place of the Lord would have been known to be the temple, a particular place sitting on a mountain, Mount Moriah, inside the city walls of Jerusalem. You see God, Yahweh, in Scripture here, in desiring to make a covenant with a people, He said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And I'm going to take you to a place, a promised land of Canaan. And in the city of Jerusalem, you will build a temple, and that is where I will show up. That is where you will know me, and we will make connection there. We will have relationship there. You will worship me there. We will be together there. Maybe if you've read Leviticus, you know that that is a book that details out in great formality the way worship happened at the temple. You would deal with sin there, all the things that separate you from God. You would deal with them at the temple. The choirs would sing there. You would bring thanks there. You would celebrate there. You would worship there. In fact, there were certain sacrifices known as peace or thank offerings that involved the giver of the sacrifice eating a meal at the place where God desires to be with His people. You ate with God at the temple. Now, the sons of Korah, they're writing this psalm out. They know all of this. And because of the relationship with God, because of the covenant that was made, the place where worship, where corporate worship happens is a deep draw. Even more, as we will see, it is a longing. Now, can the sons of Korah, or maybe a specific son of Korah, who wrote this psalm, can they worship in a place away from that temple? Can he praise the name of the Lord somewhere else? Can he love the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength somewhere else? Maybe, maybe Judah or around the Sea of Galilee? Of course. Of course he can worship somewhere else. In fact, in singing this song, this song of longing to be with God's people, he's worshiping, right? This is a song of longing. It's a song of praise. It's a song of worship. But that ability to worship and praise as an individual does not diminish but rather intensifies the desire for this singer to be where the people of God gather to worship together. He's singing this worshipful song of longing because he wants to be where God said he would be, to be in the house of the Lord, to be in the home of the Lord. You see, in our context... We have an overriding individualism that we need to be pushing against often. We think we can do Christianity or the Christian life on our own. I can do it over here in the corner by myself. But that is not the posture of this book. That is not the posture of these words. Many are the songs or the psalms of longing to worship with God's people in Scripture. Think of the letters in the New Testament. Oh, that I could be with you. Oh, that I could see the work that God is doing in you. Think of the many one another's of Scripture. You can't do one another's by yourself, right? God does not connect with individuals apart from community. He makes a people. And you can hear the singer speak of the beauty of the place where that people interacts with, has relationship with, worships God, and this singer wants to be there. That is why he sings, how lovely is your dwelling place. Even thinking about the building is lovely 
Because that is where God is the Lord of hosts is. The Lord of angel armies is there. The God of power and abundance. I love that place. I want to be there because I want to be close to God. That is the heart of this psalm. He sings, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. The desire to be at the house of the Lord is so strong that he talks about the soul longing. This is a deep pining, a yearning for the courts of the Lord. The courts of the Lord, these are the areas around the temple where the people would gather in mass. This is like singing loudly, my soul longs to be in the lobby. I just want to be there. Even if it's not all the way there, I just want to be that close. My soul faints if I could just be outside the doors. My heart and flesh sing for joy. This is literally crying out. There's an intensity to this longing. There is a strong need to be at the central place of worship in the house of the Lord. The heart in Hebrew is a reference to the seat of emotions the seat of the will, the seat of the affections. This is central to the singer. When your heart cries out, all of you is crying out. The flesh is the body. My body wants to be there. I want my body to be somewhere other than here. And can I just say, this type of posture, this type of deep yearning reveals that the assumed relationship of the psalmist to God is something bigger than just showing up on a Sunday morning for an hour or 15. This is far stronger than just a weekly social gathering. The life of the psalmist is oriented to such a degree that when he is away from the temple, he wants to sing this song. I suppose one could sing this in a perfunctory way, but why would you do that? My heart and flesh cry out. You don't, no, you don't sing that way. This is something you're yelling. This is something you're screaming. You're wanting to be connected to the place where God is. The centrality of God in the singer's life in this psalm, it's obvious. He was the guy yelling in the back saying, I just want to be in the lobby. I'll sit on the floor. I'll sit in the corner. I don't care. I just want to be close. This is not just wanting to get back to the Rotary Club or the next neighborhood association meeting. He knows that Yahweh, the living God, and that Yahweh is the God that makes relationship. He knows where he is, and he knows that he is part of the people that God has made, and he wants to be there. That is a thrilling base from which to sing. Amen? In verse 3, he continues, Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. And he starts talking about birds. I think this speaks of two things. First, that even the birds, the common birds, the swallow and the sparrow, these are just common birds, these aren't special birds. Even the common birds have a place at the temple because there is an abundance of space. There's a space for a nest over there. There's, they can land over there. They can perch themselves on the timbers and they can observe all that is going on. They can see the worship of God. I see pre-echoes of Matthew where Jesus says, if God can take care of the birds, of course he will take care of you. 
The capacity for God's grace is not limited. He's not cramped for space. What a beautiful thing. The psalmist is pondering this place and saying there's, there's space for the birds even. God is capable, able, and willing to give a home to all that show up. That is why there is an ease to our welcoming into this place, into this community. Come in, come in, hear the good news, belong to this place, be a part of this people. It is for you, we're not limited. And secondly, he's talking about the birds. This, this is love poetry. This is like the, the poetry of John Donne or, or Shakespeare from several hundred years ago. They would point to an animal that has access to a beloved that, that they don't have access to and desiring to be where that animal is. John Donne writes about a flea in one of his poems. That's, that's weird. You can look at that if you want. But you could easily think of some similar language, right? The butterfly that flits and floats around your head, not battled but welcomed, whose soft wings carry it to your hand far closer than the distance I experience. Oh, that I could perch upon your shoulder, that I could trade places with the butterfly. Be the one close to my beloved. This is the kind of language that the psalmist is using. Even the sparrow. If I could be like the sparrow, what a beautiful thing. The small, ignored bird has the access that I want. Close to the altar. Close to the Lord of hosts. Close to the God of angel armies. Oh, if I could be the bird nestled in the eve, because then I would be close to my king. I would be close to my God. And he says, blessed Blessed are those who dwell in your house, Lord. They have room. They are close to the King. They are close to the living God. Those who dwell in the house ever sing your praise. And all his posture is pitched that one direction. I desire to pray, praise alongside. Can you relate to this guy? Can you see the blessed station of those that dwell there, the place where God is? And he puts his mind in that direction. Then he says, Selah, sit in that for a moment while the music plays. And he continues. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. He says again, blessed. Let's talk about what is included in that word. The psalmist has his mind's eye on all those who belong to God. To be blessed is to be graced. To be given something that you don't deserve. To have a happiness that those who are not blessed do not experience. A happiness not founded on pleasure, but one that is fueled by appetite for relationship and by satisfaction in relationship. We have talked about blessing being the space or the presence with God. That was in the last couple verses. If you are close to God, belong to His house, there is a blessing that cannot be found outside the house. Now he adds categories to this blessing. There is strength. If your strength, those who belong to God, if, it is, if that strength is from God, that is a blessing. Why? Because God's strength is unstoppable, unfailing, 
Never overtax, never weighed down. Don't you want to belong to a God whose strength forged the stars? Whose hands coaxed the ocean into existence? Whose very words propagated a garden for human interaction? Who breathed life into man formed from the earth? That is a strong God. His strength stands where your strength fails. I am weak. Let me just say that together. I am weak. Blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. He says, blessed are those whose hearts have the highways to Zion. Don't you love that? Zion, assumed here and mentioned also in 7, is the broader reference to the place where the temple is. So the city, Jerusalem, or the hills on which it sits, that is Zion. Blessed are those in whose hearts can be found the highways to Zion. Again, the heart is the seat of your emotions and your will and your affections. Your hearts lead somewhere. Where do your hearts lead? If someone followed them, would they find God? Would they find the house of God? Would they show up at his home? Or would they end up in a dark alley? The blessed ones, their hearts have the highways all the way to Zion. If you follow them, you end up where God is. Our hearts, they tell us what we love. Each of you have a highway headed somewhere. I pray they lead to Zion, to the place of God. He continues, he says, these people that are walking towards the place of God, these blessed ones, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. These blessed ones, they can go through the valley of Baca. It is not certain whether this is a real valley or a symbolic valley. Either way, it doesn't sound good, does it? The valley of Baca. It's likely a symbolic place with Baca because it, it refers to dryness or a place of tears or weeping. If you're in the middle of the desert and you find a place of dryness, you will cry. It's not good. The valley of dryness, the valley of tears, these blessed ones, they will walk through the valley of tears to be certain this world is broken, cursed, and frustrating. There is suffering and there is no promise that all of it will be avoided short of new heaven and new earth. But we can be confident that the suffering of the blessed ones is different. The blessed ones, they find refreshment where it is unexpected. They find rain where it would not be planned for. They find a pool to drink in the middle of a dry land. God is abundant in his refreshment. He changes the way we suffer. I know we forget these stories. They, they drop out of the back of our minds often, but remember them. Materially, I have seen friends or family receive unexpected provision to get them to the next paycheck or get them through the month. I have seen God provide in ways that looks like water in the desert. Unexpected, unplanned for, vitally needed. You know these stories. Keep reminding yourself of the provision of God. And in the emotional sense, even in the valley of tears, I have seen a firm, sustained countenance in the midst of tears in the blessed ones. 
I have seen smiles. I have seen joy where one would expect anger or despair. And this is not a Pollyanna denial of the realities of life. Everything's fine. It's not that. When the highways to Zion are in the hearts of the blessed ones, the grieving is different. The mourning is different. The suffering is different. The direction of their emotions is different. It's all heading the same direction to the God in Zion. Is it painful? Undoubtedly. The valley of tears will always be painful. But belonging to God makes all the difference. There is a strength there that is unexplained any other way. The psalmist says, They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Strength to strength. This is literally to say, as they get closer, their strength increases. The destination is God and Zion, and as they get closer to that place, their strength increases when relationship to God and proximity to God increases. They are getting closer to the city. They will appear before the Lord. Have you heard the lips of old saints? With sweetness on their lips when they talk about their Lord. Have you heard the ancient ones on the final miles of their highway say without bitterness, I'm ready to see Jesus? The blessed ones experience ever gained strength as they gain closeness to God. Each one appears before God in Zion. And here I want to point out that he's been talking about this in third person pronouns. Speaking of them who get to be in the city, them who are headed toward the city, the blessed ones over there. He is picturing those with the highways who's walking through the valley but getting closer to the place where God is. And now he switches to first person. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. He has been describing his longing to be alongside the blessed ones that are over there. And now he cries out, hear my prayer, listen to me. I don't want to sing from a distance anymore. I don't want to pull all this from memory. I want to make the trip along the highway where my heart is pointed. I want to go over there. Can you feel the tension? Can you feel the pain of describing the blessing but not being able to be close to it? April 2020 comes to mind for me. I distinctly remember sitting at my dining room table on the morning of Easter Sunday, the day of the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord with God's people. I had the Resurrection Letters, Volume 1 album by Andrew Peterson playing on the speaker. It's lovely. Check it out. He sang of the resurrection of the living God, and we were about to go watch a service. And I sat there and wept because I wanted to be with the blessed ones. I wanted to sing alongside the ones who have the highways to Zion in their hearts. My longing was fierce. My prayers were bold. Listen to me. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Sometimes you are in the weeping places longing to be with the blessed ones, to pray and sing alongside the sons of Korah, the ones who have the highways to Zion in their hearts. 
You sing these songs because you long to be where God is with God's people. He continues. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold for those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The descriptors of blessing continue. He keeps piling on to the definition of what it means to be blessed. He says God is a shield. God is the shield, the protector and defender, the deliverer. And this prayer is for the anointed. He is likely praying for his earthly king. Take care of our leader, Lord God. Be the shield to the one that rules us. Protect him. But he also says our shield. God is the shield, not just of the king, but of the whole people. The singer attaches himself and recognizes the blessing of protection present with God. It's his blessing. He says, you are our shield. You are our protection. I will not put my trust in anything aside from you. And then he says, let me tell you where I would rather be. A day in your court is better than a thousand elsewhere. A day in the lobby of the house of the Lord is better than a thousand elsewhere. That's three years nearly three years. This points to an abundance of the goodness of God. A little bit is far better than a lot of the alternative. I can think of a lot of great places to be. Can you not? But if you are doubting the comparison, then you don't have an adequately majestic view of God. You say, yeah, but, but the Bahamas... Our God made the Bahamas. A day in proximity to the creating, living, redeeming, restoring God is better than a thousand days in other places that He made. Nothing stands up to that. He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. He says, give me the night watch. Everyone else can go to sleep. I will just watch the door. I'll stand outside. I don't even have to be inside. That's how good it is. I will stand outside and watch the door. That spot of land, that small station, is a more blessed piece of real estate than all the dwellings of the wicked. All the ones that have unjust gain, those who have taken and hoodwinked, they got a lot of stuff. They seem to be living high on the hog. These things do not compare. The scales tip hard and fast to one side. I would rather set up chairs where the worship of God takes place than sit in the high rise and never be connected to Him. There are many things, friends, that set themselves up as worthy of the time and proximity and worship that is afforded only to God. These temptations are legion. Your job whispers that temptation. Your hobbies entice you to spend your days in different ways. Relationships will set themselves up as ultimate Friends, one God deserves this much attention. One house is worth sacrificing everything for. 
and the life-changing effects are so radical, you will say things like, I'm willing to sit on the floor. I'm willing to sit in the back of the room. Just let me be close. I don't care. I just want to be next to God. I want to be next to the living God. He is where there is strength and abundance and ample room and refreshment. Everything else is weak compared to Him. Do you believe that? Friends, amen? He says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Do you see all the blessing here? There is warmth and protection. There is favor and glory. There is goodness and uprightness. These all come from God. That is how good he is. That is how majestic he is. If you have been enticed another direction, you are being sold a bill of goods. Someone is lying to you. The sun is vital for life and for sight. That is from God. He is a sun, a shield for protection. Favor is in the Lord. Grace is in the Lord. Honor. Honor is in the Lord. Do you feel ashamed? Do you feel there is no way a good God would connect to a shameful person like you? The opposite of honor is shame. The Lord bestows honor. But have you been hearing that story over and over again that God cannot connect to a shameful person? Honor takes away shame. But you might say, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've seen. You don't know what has been done to me. God does. And he is the bringer of honor. It says elsewhere that he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, whether yours or someone else's. That is the God to whom we belong. He bestows honor. Also, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is a just God. God is a righteous God. God desires to give good things. Romans says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The abundance of the blessing from God are supplied by an endless reservoir. We are talking about the God who created everything that has been created. His capacity to give good things is unshrinkable. His abundance is not one that can be diminished, and He desires to give you good things. But you might say, I I don't walk uprightly. God so desires to give you good things that he is willing to give you uprightness. God has invaded the world and gave us Jesus to die to give us uprightness, righteousness. Philippians says that we can be filled with the fruit of righteousness through Jesus Christ. Run to this God, friends. He is good. He desires to give you good things, even his righteousness. He is willing to empower you to walk uprightly. And with all of this in mind, the psalmist finishes with a rousing exclamation. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Do you agree with this singer yet? 
Come on. Do you agree? Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Trust in the Lord. There is blessing in abundance in the house of the Lord. To trust the Lord is to be in connection with Him and be blessed by Him. We've just heard there's joy in a place to lie your head, a reason to sing. There is strength. There is a different direction for the highway of your heart. The one who trusts has a source of refreshment in the dry land and an ever-increasing strength. Protection and life and favor and honor and amazing proper perspective on where it is worth spending your time. In short, all of life is changed by being connected to God. Can you see why he wants to be at the temple? He says, that is where God is. Where else would I want to be? That is where God is. And in this song, as they sung this so long ago, that is where God was. But friends, God is always doing the work of making a place for God to connect with his people. That is why he built a temple on a hill. That is why this psalmist longed to be there, because God made himself known in that particular place. But friends, God did not stop with the temple. God did not stop with a single, solitary, physical location. Jesus brought heaven down to earth and died to remedy relationship between God and his people. In death, he dealt with our sin and our shame and our lack of uprightness, and he made a way for us to be connected to God. And he rose again, securing all good things. And since that time, he has been at work making a new house of God. Hebrews 3 says, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. Christ is head over a house that is not limited to a single point or a single moment or a single side of the globe. God is working to bring disconnected people back to himself, and they are forming together the house of God. We call it the church. And this congregation, this one you are sitting in right now, is a local gathering of that church. You are part of the house, New Life Church. This is good news. Ephesians 2, with the same language of tension, with the same language of distance, talks about this. He says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. There is no longer a temple in Jerusalem, but that does not mean there is no longer a house of God. He is here in our midst. That is why, as blessed ones, when we are away from this congregation, when we are somewhere else, we feel the longing to return. God connects people to himself here. God proclaims the good news of what he has done here. God empowers the worship of himself through his people here. God blesses people here in the midst of his people. We are his house so yes, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than belong anywhere else, amen? 
we have great reason to sing along with the sons of Korah because God continues to make a house for himself so he can dwell with his people. When we are away from that house, there is reason to long. When we are away from this people, there is reason to long. And when we are in the midst of this people, it is so refreshing. Friends, if you have never been connected to the house of the Lord, today is the day to get connected. You can pray right now using the words from this psalm, O Lord Jesus, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I am trusting in you. Save me. Connect me. You can pray that right now. After the service, you can tell anyone on this stage, I am connected to Jesus today. They would, we would love to hear that. If you belong to the house of God, remember that blessing is here with these people. Don't dull the longing of your soul to connect. If you have been disconnected for a long time and staying on the periphery, jump in. I know there is blessing in the house of the Lord. With many days in the desert, the sound of water is forgotten, but the stream remains, and it is an abundant stream. I'm going to pray for us, and then we are going to sing, but I want to remind you, before we sing, we are singing together. How many times have we sang alone? We are singing together and we are the house of the Lord. We don't have to sing alone. We don't have to long to go back to the single patch of property. The house of the Lord is among us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this truth and thank you for being a God that makes relationship with your people. And thank you for giving us a gathering to worship together. May each of us experience the blessing of being connected to you, and may we glorify you all the more. In the name of Jesus, amen.